Oh, well, how about that? Gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've ever listened to a movie podcast before, or we ever do one, but hey, we're getting back in the swing of things. How dare you? My name is Adam Portress, and I'm joined by Matt Smith. It has not been that long. No, it hasn't, but like I always, you know, I always feel like uh, it's. We a- fell off the pre show wagon, like the pre recording wagon, for a minute, but we're back on it. We're getting uh, on it. It's okay. Please don't, uh, please don't hurt me. <laughs> But uh, today, I will say entirely my fault. So. That's a, you know, it happens. We, we're getting busy, and uh, we, we'd like we'd like to get busy with you. But I, you know, who I'd like to say a big giant thank you to before this show uh, starts up here is uh, we do have a. We I know we don't really promote it all that much, mostly because we haven't been doing the most consistent jobs of shows. Uh, but I do want to say a big thank you to the uh, the three people who help us out over at Patreon. Be your Woo! money ever so small, it is ever so greatly appreciated. Gilda, Tim, Walter, thank you all for uh, helping make this show possible. Uh, because every uh, penny of what you guys do, just honestly, it goes back into to the uh, to, to putting Posting. up this yeah, posting up this this podcast every single month, and uh, yeah, so even some months when I probably should have. You know, down, you know, lowered the bandwidth cost. I, I didn't. So, <laughs> so I was wasting, well, wasting a little bit of money for megabytes that I'll never get back. So, uh, let that be a lesson to you, kids. Whenever you you have a podcast, uh, if you do one on a weekly basis, get the amount that that you'll need for that weekly basis. Uh, if you start to uh, file back on any of those. Feel free to adjust that. They're not going to just delete your stuff. They'll let you do it. So uh, be smarter than me. I'd learn from my mistakes, will you? Uh, but you can uh, help uh, like these fine people have. Uh, Patreon.com slash the film fine. If and you need, uh, you think that, uh, that that what we do is worth any value. That's what we do. Value for value. Whatever you feel like this show gives you, just give back to us in that way, and we can pay the bill for this here thing. Let's go ahead and start it up. Today, we are talking about Portrait of a Lady on Fire from 2019. Uh, this is still, it's a, was it always on Hulu? Did, I think it, I feel like it came out in a very limited theatrical release, it yes? It did actually come out in, in release before the COVID hit. Um and uh was extremely well received it won the uh uh best screenplay at con and was in the running for the palm door uh so very very big uh movie actually indeed here is the imdb plot line on an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman this is directed by now how do you say the name uh correctly here is Celine Skimara I think it's it's, uh Celine Sayama Sayama uh written written and directed by um starring people whose names I am terrible at pronouncing you want to give that a (laughs) shot because I I'm gonna screw that up uh looks like uh Noemi Merlant and Adele Hanel See, main, I, two main. I'd be like, I'm just rhyming here, aren't I? That that's not good. This is a French well, film. That's fine, whatever. 
so this uh, this had been on your radar. I think I had heard about it through like I think Charlotte Film Society at some point did like a screening of it. I didn't get a chance to see it, but uh, it was on your radar. Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I um, teach all of this stuff. Uh, so when this movie came out, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go see it before COVID, but I had wanted to. And then thankfully, um, it was uh, just put on Hulu uh, kind of the week after everybody was shut into their homes for the next two months. Yeah, so this is, uh, I, I, first of all, I do want to say this, because this is the biggest thing for, well, a couple of things, I guess. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to get to. Um, I, I am, I was happy to learn, well, do we, I'm trying to figure out how I want to approach this. Let's talk about how, what, what overall kind of thoughts on the movie. Uh, I think this is an absolutely beautiful movie. It looks great. It is shot amazingly well. Uh, the acting is absolutely top notch. Um, most of everything in this this movie is good. The only little small thing I have to kind of nitpick about is a little bit of the writing. But I, I want to get out of the way how much you know, what I loved about this movie, and that was really the craft of it all. That for me is okay. what kind of separated this movie out to to be where I where I put it in as far as you know what we've been watching and stuff. Uh, my my enjoyment of this movie came maybe not so much from the story, but more definitely more towards the craft of the film. Okay, um, I think I agree with you there. I also did find the story itself really moving um, in that way that uh, it's kind of ambiguous. Um, the movie is not, it doesn't spell everything out. It's a, it's a French movie after mm-hmm. all, uh, a, a French art film. Um, but uh, no, I thought like it was very touching and uh, I don't know, it was sad at the end of it which is, I think, the goal here, and uh, just kind of beside myself. I thought it was just a gorgeous piece of cinema, which I, I don't think all the time, honestly. Yeah. Now, and it's not even necessarily what I want all of the time, So most of the time even. I think to get into a little bit of, of this movie and the discussion of the movie to a degree, depending upon how you feel about these things, I feel like we need to kind of get into spoilery territory for some of this in order for us to really discuss the movie more broadly. Uh, Because I knew absolutely nothing going into this movie, and again, that's where I'm also going to say I found a little bit of a, you know, for lack of a better word, problem with it, you know? So, so spoilers kind of here on out for the movie. We both recommend that you see the movie, but for what I want to do to get down to specific spoilers from here on out. So essentially, you know, she comes in and you're going to be, you know, you're, you're hired to paint this uh, woman who's going to be married to uh, this guy that she's never met before. Right. Right. So she's like, we've thrown the other person out that was painting for whatever reason they could not, you know, uh, complete the job as requested for whatever reason. They just weren't capturing the essence of, of this woman. Well, it was it was more than that. Like um, <clears throat> Eloise was refusing to sit for the portrait painter. 
Uh, and part of it was that she was opposed to the marriage, right? So she didn't want to marry the guy. She still didn't towards the end of the film, but um, she didn't want her portrait painted because she was mad at her mother for making her uh, marry the guy who was originally supposed to be married to her sister who committed suicide. Right. Um, so uh, in order to get her portrait made, they hire Marianne in to uh, act as her companion and spend time with her, which was something that like, you know, uh, <laughs> did happen, right? Like the aristocracy did have just like, you know, those ladies in waiting, that sort of stuff. Yeah, you're living friends um, because no one, you can't trust a real person. So we've hired this person to be your buddy more right. or less. <laughs> um, and but you can uh, still boss them around if you need to. <laughs> and under that ruse to find her essence and paint the portrait. Right. Right. And so that's the basic plot of the movie is like she needs to paint the portrait. She can't let this person know, at least up until a certain point in the movie, that she's been hired to do that or the contract is void. She'll be sent home, all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But then things take a little bit of a turn. Right. Uh, a, yeah. a turn that you could see a mile down the way as long as you had, I don't know, eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> it felt like it was just, uh, and, and maybe maybe it's, maybe it is what it is, but it never felt like I had a revelation of what was going to happen with her falling in love with her and, and maybe some vice versa as, you know, we kind of uh -huh. see it play out and everything. Uh I saw it a mile like away. Like it was, and maybe it was, maybe it's meant that way. But it it felt like to me what they were presenting oh, was I think more one hundred percent. Okay, you're supposed to see it coming, partly because we're dealing with two things that heavily demonstrate that that's where it's going to go. First off, is the name of the movie is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. We see the portrait at the beginning of the movie. One of the students, she's teaching how to draw and paint asks like brings it out and she's upset by it and then uh she says i told you never to bring that one out or whatever yes and we go into that right so obviously that portrait has some emotional significance for her right the it other part of this uh and i think this is very subtle for what the movie does with it but what we have essentially is a gothic melodrama and when you have two main characters in a gothic melodrama, there's literally one thing that happens. They fall in love. Right. Right. Whether it's tragic or not, it's usually tragic in the, in the genre, right? Your Wuthering Heights is your, uh, your, your uh, Jane Eyre mm -hmm. kind of turn to everything, but it has all the components, right? Uh, suicide in the in the cliff uh potential reenactment of the past literal character brought in to be the second or the double for that character who's committed suicide right so like rebecca and and the portrait of rebecca in the film rebecca mm -hmm. uh and the replacement wife who everybody doesn't like because they like rebecca so much right like as a foundational text for all of this um you have ghostly visions right kind of presaging things that might happen or have happened in the past, even with the suicide. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, all of that stuff. So it's a romantic Gothic, uh, melodrama basically. Um, and so I think if you like most people at this point 
who have watched a lot of movies, if you're familiar with the tropes and you're familiar with kind of how movies set up things uh, in their name and in like the opening scenes, of course, you're going to see what's coming miles and miles away. Yes. And, and, and that's, a, that was another thing. And that was my initial thought kind of going in. And, and I agree. I, I think it is very much kind of w- when you, when you look back upon it, but on first watching, it was just like, I hope they're not they were they're not playing this as if they were hiding anything because my God they're blatant with it, uh, but and and it's it's fine, but I, I guess my my biggest critique of it was this and 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 here's the thing I like all that stupid crap I do, um, mm-hmm. but to a degree, and I I'll, I'll say this actually before I get to that. Uh, I was happy to find out because about halfway through the movie, once you do see that it's it's a it's a uh, homosexual relationship between these two characters, I was really I was just like, please don't let this be being directed by a dude. <laughs> right. I was I was actually so very happy to find out that it was not, and it was by a, a gay woman directed this, so it it felt it felt right. <laughs> It didn't feel like I was like, man. If there's just so, if there's just a dude behind this going like, yeah, <laughs> that's what's good. I'm like, oh god, because like I just and because they don't shy away from the sexuality, which is nice too. Is that it is it, it right. is just like it is there. They don't kind of uh, tone it down or anything. I mean the same the same level of romanticship that you would see in a straight couple, you see in a gay couple here, which is great. And, and like mm-hmm. it, it it makes it intellectually consistent that being said uh because i I feel like i have to preface all of this because at the same time too it felt to me as if and i i don't necessarily like how i'm saying it but it is what it is i it felt like the gayness of it was a little bit of a selling point if you will i asked myself the question if this was a straight relationship would i feel any different and I, it, for me, it was just like, it's the same story either way, which I guess is a good thing. But at the same time, it also doesn't do anything different for me other than the fact that we've just changed one of the people's sex. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, although I think in and of itself, that's significant for a couple of reasons. The first is the historical period that it's set in, right? Of so course. Like, it, it is mirroring... Uh, of what is in some ways a very recent past uh, with uh, the history of homosexual relationships and sexuality in general and how it's been discussed and uh, shifted into more acceptable territory culturally over time. Uh, I also think that uh, what makes it significant and um, like aside from that is that it is really well done and good and the fact that you don't necessarily feel like it would be any different is part of the point yeah i, I it's, think and and, and and again that's where i'm very conflicted with my thoughts and feelings of it because it's like do i like it because it's that or do i wish it was more at the same time you know i i don't know which i would because I, I like the outcome of either. Yeah, I, I i hear i hear where you're coming from the the thing i think that is important for me is that like uh, you know, as just a straight white dude watching this movie is that it feels genuine and not exploitive, which is something that the genre has had for straight couples forever. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is a homosexual relationship in this way it feels really significant while also being like, well, of course, 
right? Like if uh, all of this melodrama can occur between two straight characters, then why can't uh, it happen with homosexual relationships? Right. And, and there, I also want to point out, it's also in a, like a longer lineage of stuff like this. So um, there's this movie, when did it come up? Hold on one second. Let me find it in. 1996 okay um there's this movie uh it's uh by deepa manta uh an indian uh i think indian canadian uh anyway but uh deepa manta made this film called fire um which is uh one of the first bollywood films to like explicitly show homosexual relationships because that does uh, not and normally the, and happen the very there, first yeah. to feature a lesbian relationship and so I think like there's a longer discussion going on here in world cinema that this is now a component of that, like in world art cinema, that this is that Portrait of a Lady on Fire is now a part of that is not necessarily something that we always get exposed to in mainstream cinema and also even uh, the discussion of various art cinemas here in the U.S. It comes up a lot, but maybe not in the way that we learn about generic lineage and things like that. And so when I'm, when I'm watching this movie, I've, I'm constantly like reminded of all these things that are in the back of my head about um, hidden histories and minority histories as they play out in Hollywood distribution and mainstream Western film history and things like that. Um, I think this does kind of fit into a, like an alternative film history that most people are not fully aware of, including myself even. Yeah, and but and like I said, I'm I'm glad that like even even though like story wise, I didn't find it to be you know wildly you know inventive or anything else like that. Like you said, it is right. kind of standard for what it is. It's done at such a deft level of of intelligence and capability throughout this entire thing that you're just like the people that are involved with this movie, like this. Like it's so it's that stupid you know dorky thing where it's like no this felt like cinema kind of thing you know this yeah. felt like a, a movie movie and, and it's oh, yeah. it's done to that level and I think that for at least for me uh, where if the story had been lesser I I don't think I would have I would be placing it as high as I do because the story is just at just enough of a level but man the production value and everything else that's put into this is is so top notch that it it fixes a story that for whatever reason I I don't know what I what's missing in it that I would want. And that's the worst I know it's the worst critique ever is when you go I don't know what I want but I feel like it's I wasn't given it here. I know that's a well, real shit kind of Well, I think one of the big things for for this film is it's such like as road as the plot or the story might be, like it's such a fully realized movie mm-hmm. and and it's stunningly gorgeous. I mean, like, uh, you know, it's a movie about painting. So, like, every frame kind of evokes a painting, right? There are all those, like, scenes where they're in a field or by the sea uh, or even 
like the visions that uh, she has of Eloise in the white dress, right? Like as a spirit or whatever. Yeah, which is like um, totally weird and crazy. And I also like how it not doesn't necessarily go anywhere because there's like half a second where you're like, is this going to be a fucking haunted house movie? What's going on here? And then it's exactly. not. And you're super happy that it's not, even though that would have been a wild and it, maybe I would have liked that more. But that's the more genre guy. Well, in once me, again, suppose. right. That, But that's also like a nod to like all of the gothic romance, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the gothic horror genre, the, the Crimson Peaks, they come out of the gothic romance, right? So there, there's all of that mixed up in it. But the, but the cinematography here by uh, Claire Maton is just top notch. And uh, I also want to give a shout out. Uh, she also shot um, the recent Maddie Diop film, which is streaming on Netflix right now, uh, Atlantics. So uh, go and check that out as well. And it looks completely different, but absolutely stunning cinematography. Nice. Um, but yeah, like I think that the movie Portrait of a Lady on Fire really is just like an excellently well-crafted example of art cinema that is also engaging on a number of social political levels, which is always kind of the goal for art films, as well as just uh, like the the specific aesthetic uh, aspirations of the filmmaker herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all of that builds to like a really coherent, full movie experience that you don't always get, um, even for art films. And if you're one of those people who like kind of like would, you know, you, you know, those art house friends and stuff that maybe you don't dig on their world all, all the way or anything, this is an easy way to get into that sort of stuff. They'll, they'll, cause they'll respect you. They'll go like, Oh, I saw this movie. And they're like, Oh, well, how about that? It's one of those things. Cause it's, it's kind of widely accepted and for good reason. It, it is, it is a, it's it's a well made film. I would do. I got one quick thing here that I do want to point out, just because it. Sure. Maybe it confused me. I didn't quite get it. There's and and maybe a slight trigger warning for some people in this, but uh, there's a weird abortion subplot. What's that about? I like it. It didn't really mesh up with the rest of the film. It ultimately had not that much significance, well, I guess. But maybe well, I was missing. As far something. as the plot is concerned, you're correct. But I think thematically, what we're looking at is a movie that is extremely concerned with um, women's bodily autonomy and uh, women as full beings, right, who are not dependent upon men, Yeah, right? This is kind of a feminist thing. Uh, The filmmaker I know considers herself a feminist, if you've seen her previous work, Um, even more so, honestly. But I think it's all part of, like, here is here is the experience of being a woman in this time period and what these characters are going through. And then on top of that, to also be uh, a lesbian or, uh, you know, pansexual or bi or, or whatever else you identify as um, in that same period to, ta- to talk about the ways that society kind of does still fit women into different types of roles according to different types of social normativity. And I think that's the point there is like, it's, it's one of these methods of drawing a theme out beyond just the central plot, right? Which happens a lot in movies, but um, 
I think, especially in American cinema, tends to be addressed more directly and less obliquely. Yeah, um, but at, at the same time, I guess my my thought was is like it because that's a, a, essentially what I kind of put together. I was just like, okay, this is obviously just talking about the times with which they live. You know, the, exactly a woman's autonomy and things of that uh, of that ilk. And but the big thing to me is that. It just it so came out of you know left field like you don't even see this woman. I think she interacts maybe once with a man throughout the entire thing, and all of a sudden she's. I'm like, when did we have time to? When did this even happen? Does this character have a life outside of that? I think that's part of the point is that like the actual interactions between men and women in the period that the film is set in are so brief that they're basically boiled down to courtship and sex yeah and sometimes not even that right so like i think when you view it as a mirror of what's happening to eloise and uh, as the main character who is being forced into a marriage she has never even met the person that she's going to marry um and yet she will assuredly be married to that person and be forced to have a child with that person regardless of how she feels about it right i think it just helps to build that thematic resonance up a little bit to make the conundrum that she's facing as a character more potent if that seems right um but like i said i think part of the conflict a lot of the time when you approach uh art cinema in particular but even just mainstream movies from other countries is that we're on such a huge diet of Hollywood and by Hollywood, I do also include like a lot of American produced independent films here mm-hmm. uh, and indie features. Like you really do get spoon fed a lot of that stuff as plot material. It's not even just like stuff that's mentioned or whatever, but you watch a lot of international cinema and you know, stuff will come up and leave depending on the person's style. I mean, clear to knee, uh, the great French filmmaker does this a whole lot, uh, actually, where like things will come up and they're always handled in kind of an elliptical, uh, oblique manner um, because they're only being brought up or brought in to resonate thematically with the main thing that you're supposed to be paying attention to. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, I like I said, I wasn't wild and crazy about the movie, but I did, I did like it. I it felt like it was, you know, worth the time. If again, if nothing else, it's it's so well crafted that you, I, you can't help but really enjoy it on that level. It's a beautiful looking film. It is very, you know, fantastically acted and directed. Uh, and it just looks gorgeous. It's a gorgeous film to look at. So like that, don't hurt either. So it's good. I, yeah, I and, recommend and, and, it, even though I didn't love it. I recommend it. Well, and and as far as I am concerned, I I love it. I've watched it like two times. Uh, actually, when I was finished watching it, I wanted to watch it again. It just moved me uh, in a way, you know. Like you and I talk about all the time how we get like to be uh, sappy little bitches on mm-hmm. this true, <laughs> like with movies. And there were a couple um, of moments that you're just like, "Oh, that's just so sweet." And yeah, the sappy man in me came out. You know, it it it, it applies to everybody, but you know, I don't care well, which side it, of the aisle we're going on. It's, and I, and it's I also good. want to qualify by saying, like, you know, the like I. I don't read a lot of them, but one of my favorite genres in literature is the gothic drama, right? Like the gothic romance. So like Jane Eyre is one of my favorite books. Um, like I I uh, 
love Jane Austen's books, actually. Um, For me in high school, so, I was like, I can't, I, like, even the cliff yeah, notes course, are boring. Right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Couldn't do it for me. <laughs> But I think once you find your way into that stuff, right? Like, like uh, Daphne du Maurier, like Rebecca, uh, the um, uh, what's the name? They just redid the movie. Uh, My cousin Rachel from a couple years ago. Like that sort of thing for me is just just such a great emotional experience, which is what they're meant to be. And as a fan, like this movie really nailed all of that stuff. But then also added to it a lot. And and on top of it was, as you said, just absolutely gorgeous um, and well-crafted. And so I highly recommend it. Um, it's also coming out on Criterion uh, like next month or later this month or something Yeah, they're like doing so, like some great stuff over there between like uh, they're getting some of that and then the Netflix stuff they're kind of picking up and put on Criterion yeah. and stuff. Uh, awesome world we're living in right now. I like to, I, I love the fact that we can uh, yeah. make some of these things that were digital only actual physical media that will indeed go on for much, much longer than any of your streaming things, people. You, you, yeah. I, I know and how it, we all like to just go streaming. It's super easy and simple, but it can be taken away from you at any moment. I, for one, cannot wait to pick up uh, the Criterion disc of The Ridiculous Six. So <laughs> I'm on the best <laughs> criterion disc you ever seen, everybody. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, uh, so that's anyway. it, everybody. Uh, check out uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You didn't think it would end with an Adam Sandler impression, did you? Yeah, that's how our show goes. <laughs> yeah, we're off to the races. So, uh, uh, so check that out. That is available on Hulu right now, Criterion Disc, and not too awful long. Uh, Matt, where might we find more of your work on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. Uh, I'm also on an upcoming and or recent, depending on when this posts, <laughs> uh, episode of Hero Movie Podcast, where I talk about uh, Dick Tracy with Adam and uh, Sweet Shawnzy from the Internet, while uh, Bruce Leslie is on vacation or killing people with their eyes or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's got laser vision. He don't like to talk about it, but he got laser vision. He's a, he's yeah, a bad just murdering man. People. I knew he was fucking Scott Summers. Yep. Uh, not fucking Scott Summers, but was comma. He fucking. dresses up as Gene Gray though a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> Okay, man. He looked good. Fine. He looked good. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. He looks good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, check out if uh, if you haven't, man. Uh, we're reviewing Snowpiercer over at Snowpiercer Thirty Questions, a new show on TNT. Uh, it's got the guy from Hamilton and, and and the gal from Labyrinth in it. What can you go wrong? It good. Check it out. Uh, Snowpiercer Thirty Questions wherever you find finer podcasts. That is it, everybody. Join us uh, on our next episode where we talk about more good stuff. Take it easy. Hey, little girl. Is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? I got a bad desire. Oh, I'm on fire. Tell me now, baby, is it good to you? And can he do to you the things that I do? Oh, no. I can take you high. Like someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull And cut a six-inch valley through the middle of my skull 
At night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head Only you 